first episode episode one keeping it real with chuck ludy and the big fella and uh well i don't know what's going to happen in this next uh, hour or so that is for sure but uh, i've got a couple of absolute superstars on the phone uh, because we are doing everything safe at the moment because of all this coronavirus which is uh, just shocking but we want to just uh inject a little bit of uh a bit of fun a bit of happiness um because i think we all need it at the moment and, uh, well, I must say, I must say a very, very uh, good afternoon to this man. And he deserves a big intro. He deserves a massive intro. Yeah, well, it's a big show. Oh, oh yeah, it doesn't get much bigger than this man, too. Darren, Chuck, Berry, how are you, big fella? Big fella, I tell you, I just couldn't be happy with your choice of introductory music. <laughs> now, you, I know you won't even realise this, but you've played James Rain, you've played my favourite man, and you just cut it off when you said I went heading for my mountain home where all the ladies' names are Jones. <laughs> that is about, that song is written about Mount Eliza, and that is where I live, and you did not even know that. Uh, so I we're did, off to a good start. I did not know you uh, lived at Mount Eliza, mate. But, uh, hey, listen, uh, former Victorian, former South Australian uh, cricketer, uh, champion, gloveman, uh, you know, coached uh, the South Australian boys for some time, the Adelaide Thunder in uh, the Big Bash, the inaugural seasons. Great to have you on the podcast, Chuck. Hey, big fella, I'm really looking forward to it. But listen, if you're going to drive this boat, and I know you're going to introduce another little wicket keeper as well, just get the name right. The Adelaide Strikers, not the Adelaide Thunder, mate. Oh, the only thunder is coming call. out of your ass. It's the Adelaide Strikers, big fella. <laughs> good call, actually. And this is why we've got to go to the... You can hear the little chuckles in the background of this man. And, uh, well, he was a wicket keeper, still is, uh, pottering around uh, Geelong. What, thirds or fourths at the moment, is he? And we say a very good afternoon to Timmy Ludum. And I'm going to give you a little bit of this, Ludy. No, it's just not cricket. At least that's what Alan Border and his team are saying over there in Bombay this week as the poor old Aussies start getting the runs before a ball has even been bowled. This afternoon, Richie Benno brings us the pick of the action as our boys take on the curry munchers in the World Cup. Plus, How good was the old wide world of sports? This bloke, though, Chuck, seriously, he's worked alongside you very, very closely over the journey, mate. You kind of took him under your, uh, your wicket-keeping wing, so to speak, and uh, we're speaking of Timmy Ludeman. Ludie, how are you, buddy? Big fella, Chuck. Going very well. Thanks for the kind introduction. Billy Birmingham, one of my favourites. I've uh, listened to that many a time, and no doubt that's where all my fine work comes from. And uh, we might have to get a little bit of Billy Birmingham because you're pretty good on uh, on the old uh, impersonations. Chuck, I want to throw to you uh, first and foremost about Ludie. Uh, yes. You know, obviously a very good glove and very good cricketer. You did take him under your wing in all seriousness when he uh, came over uh, and played some cricket over there with you coaching. Uh, what was he like, in all honesty? Well, I recruited Tim, actually, along the story. I'll just give you the quick story. But uh, obviously, being a local boy, and we're coming to you live tonight, you're down in Warrnambool, big fella, hosting us. Tim Ludeman now lives in Geelong, and I'm on the sort of the brighter side of the other side of the bay, on the Mornington Peninsula. (laughs) The rich side of the bay, mate. That is Mount Eliza. It is like snob city down there, big fella. That is exactly right. Now, Tim, obviously, from that little place out in the middle of nowhere where he's from, Naranda, I think that's how we pronounce it, just alongside Boggy Creek, where all the God's country. are. God's country out that way. Bit of deliverance type of stuff going on out there, big fella. Um, I recruited this young bloke, but you know what? When I first saw him, I thought, this is Benjamin Button. He's already 70 years of age, and he was only 14. 
I've got him down to Carlton, and every year he's got younger and younger. When I first met him, he was 70, and he's now 42. <laughs> Do you know what? I can actually attest to this because I can remember a young 16-year-old at Naranda playing football, uh, balding. He was a big raking. Uh, he was balding at 16. He was a big raking kick. He used to take the kick-ins because he'd get the stats up a little bit, Chuck. But uh, I'll tell you what, yeah. he wasn't bad at football either. Cricket was his calling, but he wasn't bad on the footy field, were you, Ludy? Oh, I managed to get a kick from time to time, but Naranda was bloody good fun growing up, to be honest. So you'd be mad not to play footy out there, really. You talk about... A Nar- big fellow. I, I did I did take him under my wing. You're right. And uh, obviously, I went over to coach South Australia. So I recruited Tim to Carlton Cricket Club. Yep. I saw the skill he had. He was a fine wicketkeeper. But you're right. I probably influenced him too much because, like myself, one of the best wicket keepers, but could not hold a bat. Absolutely stupid <laughs> with the bat. And that's the reason why both of our careers came to an abrupt halt. <laughs> that is nicely put. Ludy, uh, have you got a rebuttal there, mate, or what? I'm pretty sure I've got Chuck covered in the average department in first-class cricket. Only just, but I think I've got him covered. Hey, what about when They're they... are both f- very average. What about when Chuck got the arse, seriously, from uh, from the Adelaide... Yep. Uh, what are they? The Lightning. And uh, then they finally oh. they finally chucked you up the order a right. bit, Ludy. And uh, and then what happened? Bang, away you went. You, you, your batting just uh, absolutely skyrocketed. Firstly, my plan came to fruition. I was trying to knife Chuck in the back for years to get him sacked, and it finally happened. <laughs> and now, now we're getting a bit closer to the truth, big fella, unfortunately. Now, listen, I met, I, look, I knew, obviously, Timmy as a young kid, you know, playing footy and playing sport around. I was an ex-Nessels boy, very, very average cricketer, but uh, Timmy was, he's like, uh, you know, like just folklore down here at the Nessels Cricket Club. Like, there's a statue as you're yep. walking up at the Reed Oval, uh, him and lefty right, uh, just holding the gloves together. Um, you know, you People just... think it's Brucey e. Dool, don't they? The flying doorbell. <laughs> they do, too. <laughs> they do, too. But it all the, the first time I met you, Chuck, is uh, you come down, uh, yourself, um, Chatty Sayers, um, Cal Ferguson, Ludy, um, geez, Travis Head, I reckon, might have been there in one of those early yeah, trips. Travis but you come, you come to the Cooper, main races. Joey Many, yes. You, so you come to the main races, and that was my first meeting of, uh, of the South Aussie boys. Yeah, great time, and obviously, again, uh, Ludy organised that with his local connections, and gee, he talked it up, I must admit, he said the May races is the place to be, and in fairness, he didn't let us down. Uh, we came down there, it was like the end-of-season trip, and the coach should never go with the players on the end-of-season trip, but the boys convinced me, so I did the right thing, being a snob from Mount Eliza, I stayed away from the players, because I thought... It's probably not good if they get into trouble and the coach is with them. So I stayed privately just in a little place up the road on the corner, a lovely little motel out there. <laughs> the boys stayed in a hotel. A ho- they stayed in a mansion, mate. Down Loft, a local bloke down there. And I thought, what a good bloke this is. Lofty's given them the house. And then they told me, five grand for the week. What a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He went and put the family in the caravan. That is as true as I stand here. He's got the five grand and mum and, mum and the kids are gone in the van down at Surfside uh, too. I'm pretty confident he told the wife that. he was only getting 1500 a week too. <laughs> Absolutely. I got a, a little bit went into the punning account. <laughs> hey, uh, they were good times too, uh, you know. And unfortunately, uh, no May races this year, boys. Uh, which, uh, well, you know, as I shouldn't say that because hopefully the races are going to continue, but just patron free, which is going to be a little bit different. What's going to happen to the hill, yeah. Stewie? There's going to be no hill. It's going to be quite amazing. Yeah, it is going to be different, that is for sure. And uh, I, I don't think... Uh, look, to be honest, I, I'm so amazed at horse racing at the moment. Touch wood, and, and obviously I'm involved in the horse racing industry, but it's still going. Uh, they've got some really good uh, procedures in place, and uh, fingers crossed it can stick on for a bit longer because I was reading today, 25,000 people in that industry in Victoria alone. Uh, you know, if it goes belly up and, uh, you know, we, we're not racing in that, it's going to be a uh, another massive headache, boys, isn't it? Oh, shocking Stewie, what's just, going on uh, at the moment. Shocking what's going on. Some great memories. I'll let Ludy go with a couple. But those May races, the three years that I had down there as as coach, and then they kindly, after Ludy got me the arse in Adelaide, mm-hmm. uh, they kindly invited me back. 
uh, which was great. And uh, the only thing I remember about it, because it's sort of those three days, they just gel into one. <laughs> a lot of false promises from yourself, big fella, about you'd get us into this tent, you'd look oh, after God. us. And oh, we just ended it up <laughs> under the Gallywood stand there with Tim McGrath drinking frosties. Uh, got absolutely donuts from you. But I tell you what, what about going to the whalers that night and all the boys are lining up to get in and uh, I'm at this stage about 45 years of age, almost catching up to Tim Luderman and the old whalers bout to come down and he says, can't let you in, mate, no ID. I said, you, you can't be serious. I could not get into the whalers. No matter how, I said, mate, do you know who I am? He said, that's why you're not coming in, unfortunately. You can go home. <laughs> it wouldn't have been when I had the whalers, mate, because you boys had the golden ticket just to get in wherever. It was walk up to the front, walk up to the side door if you wanted. And I reckon from memory, you've sold me short here, I reckon I was drink cards handed out left, right and centre, and you blokes were the king of the whalers for at least a couple of years anyway. Correct, Tim. We, we, we certainly made most of the uh, the free drink cards, Chewy, so thanks for that. But I reckon Chuck wouldn't fit through the door because of the, the size of you, Darren. It's fair to say, coaching being pretty, pretty kind to you. It had nothing to do with no well, ID. I must admit, you I couldn't fit through the door. I haven't seen a, uh, I hadn't seen a photo for a while of, uh, of yourself, Chuck, but uh, what, have you put a bit of nick on or something, big fella? What's happening? No, no, actually, the opposite, and we probably have to be serious on this one. Even though it's a lighthearted podcast, keeping it real, and I hope all our uh, people that tune in uh, send us in some questions, send them in to Stewie, we'll answer those. But <laughs> no, I'm actually, I've dropped a little bit, Stewie, to be honest, and... Uh, on a serious note, and this is serious, unfortunately, I have dropped a few kilos, but I needed to because, sadly, five weeks ago, I thought I was checking out. Mate, mate, I, I didn't know this until uh, we spoke during the week and, uh, and Ludie kind of dropped it to me on the quiet. Uh, so, mate, you, you've had a heart attack. Is, is that right? Unfortunately, it is, and uh, I suppose there's no sob stories here, but uh, to everyone out there, just make sure you're on top of your health because I thought I was going okay, even though Tim said I couldn't fit into the whalers. He's probably probably right. And those May Racing uh, events probably weren't great for the heart. And they probably weren't great for the South Australian cricket team, to be honest, because ever since Tim and I left, they've been absolutely shit out. They've been on the bottom for the last couple of years, and they're actually <laughs> calling it the uh, warnable virus, not the coronavirus. <laughs> the after effects of three seasons of the May Racers has now taken its effect. But I did, I did have a heart attack, and... Uh, had a couple of those little mesh stents put in, and uh, we make light of it because five weeks ago I was in the intensive care and thought, is this really it? I'm only 50 years of age, big fella. Yeah, I'm probably not the fittest specimen in the world, but I'm also not the worst. Never smoked in my life. I'm pretty boring, mate. Never smoked, never done drugs, been a clean sort of living bloke. I've had the occasional beer or glass of red, <laughs> and out of nowhere, bang, down I went, uh, the good side is five weeks later, and uh, here we are taking the piss out of each other. Mate, that, that's amazing. Uh, you know, and, and look, you know, my, my old man's been through it. You, you know, he was before a May Racing Carnival uh, six or seven years ago now. Uh, scary times, uh, you know, and, and you're right. We think we're bulletproof. Uh, Ludie, you can attest to this. You know, we, we think we're probably keeping ourselves in, you know, the best shape we can. We, we're probably kidding ourselves, to be honest. We eat a bit of junk food here and there. Um, we probably overindulge a little bit with the alcohol and uh, bang. Within an instant, your life can be turned upside down. Oh, 100%. You know, it's uh, as Chuck said, it's one of those things you think you're, you think you're going all right and you're bulletproof and then all of a sudden that hits you out of the blue. So um, Chuck can probably vouch for it a little bit more than I can, but um, you've got to look after yourself, um, keep yourself ticking over and, and make sure you're doing the right things with your with your health. Absolutely, uh, you know, and it's no more no no more prevalent than uh, the the world we're living in. We're going to touch on that shortly. I want to just go yeah. just a little bit further back because uh, when you first had Twitter, Chuck, uh, you were known as Chuck Saka on Twitter, and uh, I must admit, uh, I had no idea. I thought, uh, and I just kept calling you Saka. I thought that was a nickname uh, when yeah. you first kind of come to those carnivals. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the Saka disappeared, and I thought, geez, he's mm. having a bad time. He's been sacked as coach. Now he's taken yep. the Saka off. He doesn't want to be known as Saka anymore. But uh, there's a bit of a story behind the Saka. 
Yeah, there is. And you probably added an R in there, which I reckon we could take out. But uh, (laughs) when I was the coach of the South Australian Cricket Association, which you clearly didn't work out, (laughs) S-A-C-A is the sacker. So I was Chuck Sacker, 1969, which you converted after 4,500 beers to Chuck Sarka, which then turned into something else before Sarka, and away we went. So that's the story of my Twitter handle, so I did get rid of it when uh, when South Australia got rid of me. Some would say four years too late. Uh, so Chuck Sarka just become uh, Chuck Berry, 1969. That is fantastic, and, and to be honest, in all our groups down here, and everyone that's met you in Warnable, everyone just calls you Saka. <laughs> yeah, which is a little bit frightening. I mean, I popped down there uh, to do a sportsman's night, and everyone was just calling me cock. And I said, what, mate, mate, what are you talking about? My name is Darren. And uh, then they said, no, but Stewie calls you Saka. And I said, oh, right, I then. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. And having a couple of the boys gone on with it, uh, you know, Ludie, you went on with it for a year or two, but uh, look at Cal Ferguson and, uh, and of course, Chatty Sayers. No one can swing it like Sayers, boys. Chatty's uh, he's a mad racing goer. He's, he's probably got three or four horses on the go that, uh, and probably four or five more that his, his wife doesn't know about, but he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he loves his punt. <laughs> he, love, he loves his punt, um, so he's always up for it. Uh, Trent Kelly came over a few times too. He's a mad punter, played a bit of cricket for South Australia and Western Australia. Um, he's actually curating around the second now. He's uh, he loves his punt. Um, all the boys love their punt. And that's the thing. I'm not worried about the punt, Woody. I'm worried about their cricket ability since they've been coming to May. They've kicked on in leaps and bounds, haven't they? Oh, they have. They have. Chaddy's played the one-off test, um, the South African test. We'll have to get him on at some stage. Um, and that was a pretty whole, interesting experience for him. And flew the uh, the whole family, uh, I think, over for that. Is that right, too, from uh, from memory? Yes, yes, I think he did. Yes, correct, correct. Travis Head came over, and, and he's he's dominated since, hasn't he? He's gone on to, well, they're talking about leadership qualities now. Obviously, he's done a good job at Saka, so he could, uh, he could be anything um, after Tim Payne. So who knows? Far too serious, you blokes. Let's be perfectly honest. Since we come to the May races, you touched on the nice stuff. And don't forget Callum Ferguson, uh, you know, the good-looking rooster. I mean, he, we used to take him out to the Whalers, and he was sort of like the lure. You know, you just throw him in. He was a tease pony. throw him into the Whalers, and out they would just come like bees around the honeypot. And then in would walk Benjamin Button Ludeman and old Fat Sarka, and uh, we just blew them straight out. They thought the Whalers had literally become the whale when I rolled in. But Ferguson also played a test match whilst uh, during yes. that period of time. Unfortunately, only a one-off. I think he was hard, harshly dealt with, Fergie. Been a wonderful player, but uh, let's be honest. I mean, let's not cut the crap. Since Ludie and I left the sacker, I mean, have a look at the rabble. They are on the bottom <laughs> of the shield table. Now, whoever's in charge of the show over there, Stewie, needs to have a good, hard look <laughs> in that mirror. I, I sense, Ludie, you might be able to help me out here, but I sense there's just a little bit of built-up anger uh, from old Sarka here uh, that's uh, still against the uh, the South Aussie boys. I hope Dizzy Gillespie's not going to be listening to this podcast. Hey, Dizzy's a great man. There's no, don't worry about Dizzy. He's a great man. Dizzy's a great man, and he's coached Adelaide Strikers. He might, look, unfortunately, Jamie Siddons just, he got the uh, lemonade and sass as well recently, so they're looking for a new coach um, in, in Adelaide. So no, Bring no, back no, Sarka. Well, they could bring back Saka. I would have thought the odds on that, Stewie. Uh, <laughs> you know, pretty good, I reckon. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I want to just touch on, uh, and I want to play this, because uh, here's one for you, Chuck, today, because uh, your father, who's uh, no longer with us, mate, but would have been 100 today, big fella. So I just thought... How's just... that? Listen, is this your little go-to song at your household, you blokes? As good as, good as I could get off YouTube before. Well, thanks, Julie. It's a lovely gesture. What a good story, though. Seriously, 100 today. That would have been an awesome knock. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the old boy, I mean, when you think about that, I'm, I'm 50, so I've given it away. So it was a fair old age when, uh, you know, he threw the leg and had, had a go at Sarka because, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was 50. 
And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I'm 50 now. The last thing on my agenda is to maybe, uh, you know, have another child. But uh, it was confirmed. I did ask a couple of times whether I was the real McCoy or whether I might have, you know, but apparently it was the real deal. So, yeah, Dad, Dad was 50, guys, when I, when I was born, and, and Mum was sort of early 40, so Isn't still that, pretty old. That's a good effort. That is, like, you know, like all, all things being good. You, you know, you imagine now, Saka, you are just oh. uh, getting getting amongst it, and, and no doubt you are, and you still Mate. are, and, um, you know. Like, and, and, you know, like you imagine, you imagine if uh, the wife kind of taps on the door a couple of weeks' time and says, hey, listen, Chuck, uh, I've got some news for you, big fella. We're going around yeah. again. Well, I've got some news for you, big fella, to be honest. Oh, um, you've had we are practicing. We are practicing uh, social distancing, obviously, with the serious, very serious. We shouldn't make light part of the coronavirus because it's going to affect all of us. It already is. But social distancing, uh, and Moody knows my wife very well. And he also knows that I'm probably batting above my average, as he also... Definitely, is. I can confirm that. You are definitely batting <laughs> above your average. <laughs> that, that is confirmed. I'm keeping it real. Because that's what we're doing. But listen, uh, big fella, social distancing is a, a new thing. Well, I can confirm tonight on our first show that my wife has been practising this for 12 years. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, my young bloke's about to turn twelve, and I tell you what, I've had the uh, I've had the meter and a half the exclusion zone. Uh, there's like a little electric fence down the middle of our bed. So me having another baby at fifty, seriously, that is not happening. But hey, happy birthday to the old man. Yeah, absolutely. I miss him every day. I miss him every day. We've all been touched. I know, Phil, you've had a, a, a loss of your brother, and. Uh, Ludie's had some losses as well. We've been through some horror times, all of us, to be honest. But when it's your old man, you know, you, you, your old man, you only get one. So, look, I paid my respects today and I, I went up to the Springvale Cemetery and I had a chat to him and uh, let him know I was thinking of him. So he raised the bat today, brought up the ton, something that you never did, uh, Stewie, in your time, <laughs> uh, something that Ludie very rarely did. And unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't do it very often either, to be honest. But well done to old Roy, hundred right. years of age today. Oh, I love it, mate. And he'll be uh, no doubt looking down on you, just thinking what a uh, sensational specimen of a son I've uh, put out there at fifty. I've done a great job, and uh, he would be absolutely over the moon. Uh, I just want to share a story. This is totally off subject, okay? I kind of mentioned. I thought you were going to tell me that you've had the snip uh, when we were going down that path before i've got a mate okay you boys uh you boys would have met this person i'm not gonna out them on this podcast okay because to this day this is uh sacrosanct this story is uh you know it's kind of been uh taken to the grave so to speak uh his lovely Mm. wife uh said to him you know some i think it was 20 years ago uh mightn't be 18 or 20 years ago said to him righto uh it's time to uh to go and get the snip, you know, they've, they've had a, a few children and uh, now it's time to uh, put the queue in the rack, so to speak. And uh, my old mate uh, wasn't overly keen uh, to go to, to doctors and all that kind of stuff. So she sent him off with the cash to pay for the, uh, the vasectomy and uh, he grabbed the cash. He went down to the local pub. He put on a couple no. of pods. He had a bar meal and he went home and he... Iced himself up for a few days. Uh, no. And he has not not actually had the snip no. to this day. The lovely wife, I'm not, I'll never out this person, but the lovely wife doesn't realise that he never actually got the snip. I kid you not. <laughs> Gee whiz, that's opening up a whole ton of worms. That is, Ludy. That is just a little bit frightening, that stuff. And obviously, uh, yeah. Probably a fair bit of social distancing going on in their household too, I would imagine. I would imagine. I would imagine. So that is a true, as true as I sit here in the studio tonight, and uh, I still have a bit of a chuckle to myself every time I see this person, and uh, I just think, wow, mm. just, he's uh, walking you, around that house. You let, us, you let us know his name still after the show, <laughs> and then next week, Ludie and I will go with it. <laughs> We are, that is, I'm taking that name to the gravy, blokes. Hey, listen, I want to get a little bit of serious stuff out of the way uh, now. And, and the world as we stand has changed in the last eight or nine days. I, I am absolutely, I, I just, I, I'm still kind of walking around in shock, boys, to be honest. 
The coronavirus has hit Australia. It's affecting so many people. It's not only in Australia, across the whole world. And and I just I'm still absolutely blown away with the situation that we're in. Like I've got a small business, um, you know. Like there's I've got friends that are losing work, you know. Like I know myself, my work's been affected. It's just it's it's absolutely monumental, boys, isn't it? And I just I'm I'm shell shocked. I cannot still believe it. It feels like we're in a bad dream. Lou, do you go first? Oh, it's just amazing um, to see the transformation um, of how quickly it's happened. Um, like it popped up in November, December over in China, and and it's really taking its toll now. It just seems strange that it's taken so long to to get on top of it. I suppose, and we're still not on top of it. But I don't know about you guys, but I've been using hand sanitizer flat out that much that I smell like an alcoholic. I feel like I'm constantly pissed. It's 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 just, but it's out of this world, isn't it? You know, you just said it then. You know, start in China. Did we not take this serious enough? You know, three or four weeks ago, should we have just mm-hmm. locked down all international tourists coming in? It should have been only Australians coming back. They had to self quarantine for fourteen days. I know it's easy to say in in hindsight, but I, I just got a feeling, Chuck, and I reckon we are nowhere near the worst of this. I reckon two or no three, way. four weeks time, we are going to be in absolute disarray. And I don't want to put the fear. Of God into anyone, but you know, like we're doing our best. But I just, I've just got a feeling it's just going to get so much worse. Uh, unprecedented. We've not had it in our lifetime, obviously, and let's hope we don't uh, see it again in our lifetime. But you're right. But there is so much uncertainty. We, we actually, we don't know. This is our first podcast of keeping it real, you know. And we are obviously in all different parts of the state doing this on on uh, link up. We're not in the studio together. That's why occasionally you'll, you'll hear a pause. Uh, in things. That's not just Tim Ludeman being in, living in Geelong. That's just the natural uh, uh, waiting for the next person. <laughs> we, we don't know, Stewie, what is going to unfold. But or what I do know is I've got some very good friends in England and, mate, they are in total lockdown and have been for a couple of weeks. And when you see what's happening in Italy and France and other parts of the world, uh, I think we've got a whole lot more pain to come. It's going to have massive economical impacts on our country, which it is already... My wife, who's a, a, got a fairly good job, she's a, a human resources manager for a big company, that they've laid her back to three days. You know, we've lost 40% of her income. What I do, the, the, I've done a lot of jobs in my time, Stewie. The thing that I love doing most of all, and you know this, is commentating the football on K-Rock in Geelong. K-Rock footy, 95.5 on the FM dial, is my favourite <laughs> uh, little income earner. Mm. Uh, that is... That is on ice. That it, the yeah. football season is done. So forget that I'm going to lose a bit of pocket money commentating the footy in that privileged position. But the AFL is off. And what we, the three of us have come together in life, basically through sport, yeah. and that sport now is off. Everywhere is off. The rugby took a while to come around. The A-League's off. The Olympic Games have called off. And the May races are off. So we are being serious. This is, you know, a world pandemic I've got children, you guys have got children, Rudy's got a youngster. Um, I'm worried. I am absolutely worried. I don't want to cause our listeners to panic, Mm. but hey, we need to adhere to what we're being told because people haven't. A thousand people on Bondi Beach. How how ridiculous was that? Seriously, that was just just unbelievable. Unbelievable, wasn't it? People, I don't think Aussies were listening. I really don't. (laughs) Quite amazingly, and, and this is no one's fault, but think about this, guys, which you may or may not have. Three weeks ago, we had 85,000 people at the MCG to watch our women's team become the world champions. Yeah. The girls dancing on stage with Katie Perry. Here we are three weeks later, and we're in lockdown doing a podcast. I was in Melbourne that weekend, and uh, I must admit, uh, I couldn't believe it. It was a ghost town Friday, Saturday. Uh, come uh, Sunday, uh, you know, you could see the uh, the rolling in of uh, all the international tourists for the Grand Prix, which was happening the following uh, Wednesday, Thursday, kicking off. And I must admit, the discussion was around, gee whiz, I just can't work this out. What are we thinking here? You know, like, um, and, and I just, yeah, I just, I, I really don't know where this is going to end, you know, and, and you're right. No, Chuck, don't. you're right. It's 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 scary, you know. Like I, I've got a you know a dad that's uh you know he's got you know Elderly he's had heart him. issues. He's he's obviously old, you know. Like I don't want to go and get it and then bring it back, or my kids get it and then we 
you know, give it to the old man or the old girl or, or whoever it might be, you know, like, and it just to walk around supermarkets and to see empty shelves and um, people just kind of, you know, with their head just moping around there in, in kind of woof, you know what I mean? They don't know what's going on. It's uh, it's just bloody eerie. It's scary. It's, it's just so uncertain. I've been around a lot of mates that have got businesses in town and they're absolutely gutted at the moment. Like oh, God. myself, it's just... It's just bloody, it's amazing, Ludy, isn't it? It's just amazing. That's the thing that's, it's probably the thing that's taken me by surprise is the naivety and the selfishness that's come with it a little bit. You, you, you roll around and you talk to people and they're sort of saying, or you see on socials, people talking about, you know, I'm, I'm not in that bracket, I'm not 70 plus, I, I don't have a disease. Oh, I don't I'm know not, about you know, that. Not, not going to affect me, Benjamin that sort Button. of thing, at the start. Benjamin Button. But I reckon... I reckon a few of those attitudes need to change pretty quickly or it's going to hit us pretty hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all need to just lock down. We need to just get this under control. I've got a feeling, and Saka, you might be able to help me out here, big fella, but I've got a little feeling I think the government know that we're in a world of hurt. Okay, no doubt at all about it, but yep. I think they know what's coming in the next four to five weeks. I think they're just trying to slow it down, spread it down a little bit more so they can gear the hospitals up uh, for what's about to hit. I reckon that's why they're trying to slow it. And I reckon also, um, you know, they take out kind of the hospitality sector first. Um, so not all... Uh, jobs are lost and all that. it kind of spreads spreads that load out with Centrelink, all that kind of stuff over a uh, you know kind of a two to three week period to kind of ease that bit of congestion because I think they know that uh, in three or four weeks time we are going to be no. in an absolute world of hurt and I don't want to alarm anyone you know we've just okay so we're going to so so, so big seller what what are, you're right and we've all touched on the serious side of it and it is the most serious thing that's probably happened <coughs> in our lifetime when we've got a world pandemic. But for our, our, our listeners, when they jump onto keeping it real, what's some ideas that we can give them in this lockdown period? You know, what are you going to get up to, big fella, locked away? You can't go to the pub. I mean, seriously, this is a change to your livelihood. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what are we going to do? I mean, no, well, this, I've this already is, got the... But this is, the, this, is the, this is how this spawned, you know, because I was thinking to myself, geez, I'm, I'm going to be bored off my tits here, you know, like, um, to be honest, and I just, I thought, right, hey, what can I do? Right, I love doing podcasts. Who can I get on? You know, you two blokes, funny, characters, love yous. Um, and I thought, let's just get on. Let's just talk shit. Let's have a bit of fun. And, uh, and oh, that, we're doing well so far. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I don't know, that'll be up for the listeners to decide, Chuck. But, uh, you know, and, and that's what, I, I think the most important thing is let's not forget who we are as people. I, I reckon in times of crisis, and I posted a little thing last week, in times of crisis you kind of find out um, you know, what people are like around you, you know, like, do they care about you, you know, are they just interested, are they just going to, you know, run for the hills themselves and kind of leave you, you know, like, let's look after each other, check in on people, you know, make sure people are going going along okay. Yeah, they will see. 100%, and we've, couldn't agree more. We've all got to do that. Absolutely. We've all got to do yeah, that. I, yeah. We're touching on Corona, right? I want to talk about the sports side of things. Uh, you know, obviously the Sheffield Shield didn't finish. Pretty big. Uh, right decision made there, boys? I think so. I think New South Wales are comfortably the best team in it. Uh, once it was called off, they had to be the, the overall winners. Um, and we played. We played nine rounds, so... Um, we played we played everything we could and and they were they were leading the way so there's no doubt they were the best team in it and had to had to be given the trophy. Chuck, uh, look, sport has been my life since I was a young boy. You know, cricket and footy. But I mean, I played everything as a kid. Absolutely every sport going. The only two that I was probably half decent that was cricket and footy, I suppose. And <laughs> it's there is no winners. There is no winners in this. So you know, the Fremantle women's team are filthy. They weren't awarded the premiership. But in two conferences like that, and you can't have local cricket. Now, I don't know about your, down your way in Warrnambool, and it's Premier Cricket. You know, Melbourne were awarded the premiership. They finished third. Melbourne University had claims to be the winners because they were the minor premiers. The same happens. I mean, I'm coaching locally now down here on the Mornington Peninsula, and Sorrento Cricket Club were the minor premiers, so they were crowned the premiers. You know what? I'm over people whinging about who the premier is this year, and who the runners-up are, to be honest, what we're facing, and this is big for me to even say, sport is, it's sort of, it is a game, and it's something we love, and it's been my livelihood, but 
Well, I actually couldn't give a cracker who was the minor premiers and who won this and who didn't win this, if you understand what I'm saying. No, that it, might upset it, a few. It, it puts it's, everything it's into perspective. It, it is. It's a fact. Who gives a shit? Even if the AFL doesn't roll on again, you know, they've suspended the season. You know, do you know what? It doesn't matter. There's bigger things at, at stake here. You know, there's people's lives. There's people's livelihoods. Um, you know, and we've just got to understand that this is, you know, this is a war without any guns being fired at the moment. This is as big as it'll get for our, our time and our generation. Now, I know we've been half serious, half joking, and that's what we'll do on Keeping It Real, but to, just to, to the people out there, and uh, and all three of us, well, maybe you and I, Stewie, in particular, maybe not Ludie, but, you know, we've had our battles, and I certainly had a serious one with mental health some five years ago, and we don't want to talk about it today, but after the tragic loss of Philip Hughes, it really knocked me around, as I know it did Tim. We might touch on that on another podcast, but I went into a state of you know mental depression and was post-traumatic stress disorder. People out there listening to us are going to be depressed, down, despondent, thinking no purpose in life. Can I just say to those people, please, You can still pick up the phone, do what we're doing, have a bit of fun, stay in touch with people. We've got the the technology where you can FaceTime people. So when you're feeling down, make contact with people that you care about. And then equally, equally, guys, you've got to get a structure to your day. Because if we're in lockdown, people will lie in bed, get up, have no purpose. You can still go out in your garden. It's actually a time to give it an old spring clean. Go and clean the garage out. I'll tell you what I did today, apart from my dear old dad's birthday, I went on my emails, Stewie, and I hadn't cleaned them out for months. There was three and a half thousand in there. Yeah, I know. And most of them were crap. Do you know what, mate? I think I've just ticked over the 20,000 in my Gmail. That is a fair dick of true story. And there's just Well, you are a lot popular than me, but a lot of your emails come from some of those really dodgy sites. You know when you sort of link up and then you get those trash emails? It's probably an overdue account or something, I'd say. That's what it's more like. Hang on, the phone's ringing. (laughs) Hang on, someone's on the dial on the blower. This could be a sponsor. This could be a sponsor because we need a sponsor for this show, you blokes. This is a podcast (laughs) that could really take off, and I think that we need to get someone. So if you're sitting there, you're you're listening, have a listen to this. Hello? (laughs) Uh, One of those prank callers again didn't want to talk or someone wanted to sell me some piece of crap. Tally marketer, absolute yep. Monty. But if if there is someone out there that wants to jump on board and get involved with us, uh, yeah, drop Come us a on. line. That is for sure. Because uh, I think we're going to do this a little bit more often. It's been good fun. Now you just touched on it and you said, look, we'll talk about it in another podcast. I don't want. To, I want to talk about it now. And you touched on Phil Hughes uh, and both you boys. Uh, you know, heavily, heavily involved with Phil and uh, heavily involved that day. Take it. Take me back to that day and and how it all unfolded because that was one of the biggest sporting tragedies. I, I can remember it, it was, it was just you always going to remember what you're doing when you first heard that news. Um, it's hard to to paint a picture of what happened that day, um, but I, I can tell it from my perspective, I suppose, and then Chuck might chime in. But um, it's one of those things that everyone thinks. Straight up, it was a vicious, nasty bouncer, and it was, um, you know, attacking Philip as such. But it, it actually wasn't a nasty, vicious bouncer at all. It was it was a ball that sat in the pitch. It was the wicket was a bit slow, and he was through his shot. Um, so that, that's probably putting that into perspective first. And then the events that unfolded um, after that was was obviously tragic and, and changed cricket and sport and a lot of people forever. Um, and probably two of us on, on the line at the moment um, who were there on the day. And, and the events that unfolded, no one had ever been through before, um, that being the medicos, obviously the players. Um, no one knew how to handle it. Um, it just it just hard to describe um, what actually what actually went on because it was so confronting. Um, you know, to have, to have your teammate, a very close mate, um, get hit in the head, or hit in the neck and then and then fall to the ground. Um, the paramedics bring him on a stretcher to the sidelines in front of the crowd, in front of the chain rooms, um, working on him in front of us. Um, it was pretty bloody confronting. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's bloody hard to describe. 
Yeah, I, I can only imagine. And um, Chuck, you know, like, and we've had some personal conversations about this as we have with Ludi over the journey. Um, you know, like, just I, I suppose when you're an elite sports person, especially, you know, I, I think that bulletproof. You know, everybody, even from just a, a watcher watching sport, you kind of think that the elite people are just bulletproof. You know, nothing's ever gonna ever gonna affect them. You know, in in a way like this. Uh, you know, like, and and that day, everything just changed forever, didn't it? Uh, unfortunately, it did, Stewie. And to, to be honest with you, mate, I, I still I still find it very difficult to to talk about it. I do, and uh, I know you wanted to talk about it, and uh, I can't avoid it. And you know, people ask me all the time, but I, I must admit, when Ludi was describing it, then just for, oh, I actually put the phone away from my ear. To be perfectly honest with you, because I yeah. I didn't want to hear it again. Now, people would say that I haven't dealt with it. Well, I can tell you that I I have. And I actually had to seek professional help to deal with it because, mate, there was a period of time there. And I don't mind sharing this now because, sadly, it's, it's into the sixth year. But I tell you, for, for two years, uh, I couldn't sleep. I constantly woke up seeing the young man fall to the pitch. You know, as his coach, I had my arm around him in the dressing rooms at tea and I knew that he was going to be selected in the next test. Mark War had told me that but I couldn't tell Philip Hughes that. To this day, I regret that, but I adhered to the selector's policy of not breaking the trust. Um, you know, to have my arm around him and say, mate, you're on, and, and he said to me, you know, these words will always ring in my ears. He said, they're not going to get me today, coach. I still hear him saying wow. it. I still hear him saying it. And they didn't get him, but unfortunately, as Rudy said, it wasn't a vicious bouncer, and he got through his shot. And then what unfolded still, you know, makes me sick to, to this day, and... There's just so many layers of it, you know, and we can talk about it. And why I find it difficult, I mean, his mum and dad are beautiful people. His sister Megan, brother Jason, you know, his mum was there that day. And as coach of the team, you're supposed to show leadership in those times. And I went and sat with her on the stairs of the SCG. And as you would imagine, she was howling and sobbing. It was just, it was, mate, it was horrible. It was, it was horrific. And, I, and I'm sorry, but I probably do want to move on because it's yeah. just, uh, it's, and, and I know Ludie is affected. And, and Ludie and I have spoken about this. Uh, we're two country boys. We, we take the piss out of each other, as we will on this show. But we're country boys with good families, uh, good upbringings. That's what Philip Hughes was. Yeah. And doing something he loved doing, mate, he, he died in front of us. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, unless you were there, people, and I know you care, I know you do. But people don't really know the anguish that was caused. Yeah. And honestly, I'll finish on this point. I think Tim and myself, the, the true love of the game, died that day when Philip Hughes died. And I, and I don't say that lightly. And it took me probably four years to even want to go back and be involved with cricket. Now, I am back and I am, I've had uh, professional help and we've moved forward. But the greatest... Yeah, you know, I lost my parents young. We spoke about my dad before. I've lost a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I lost David Hooks, my coach. But the Philip Hughes one was probably just the. It was just so. I just can't. Mate, I, I have yeah. no words. Do, which do, is do, unusual do, for do, me. Nah, and you know what? And I and 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 I, I'm. I'm, you know, like I'm sorry to be honest that I've, I've probably taken you there. Um, you know, like I, I know we were going to talk about it at some stage, and just to hear you guys, you know, like talk about it and I can hear um, you know the the, the angst and the seriousness and, and the you know the, the sorrow and the pain in your voice to be honest and uh, and I appreciate um, you sharing that you know I feel privileged if you know what I mean that, that you you know you've shared that and, and you know and to hear you talk about you know and it's it's you know obviously the incident is shocking in that but it, sometimes you know the flow on effect you know, and the effect it has on, on people um, far and wide, um, I, I think that's lost sometimes because life goes on, doesn't it? You know, like everyday life kind of goes on. But in your eyes and, and in, in Philip Hughes' family's eyes, everything's kind of stopped that day, you know. like and, and that's a hard pill to swallow, I reckon, sometimes for people that have lost people close to them. Yeah, it definitely, no doubt. definitely but, is. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think Chuck touched on it there. Probably talking about myself a little bit is um you know as chuck said cricket died a little bit in inside both of us probably that day as chuck said but for me cricket's probably never been the same since i still love being around people and i love um socializing with with good people but 
Um, I probably don't enjoy cricket as much as I used to because of because of that day, unfortunately. But um, you know, that's that's the way it is. And um, yeah, one one little one little thing I'd, I'd like to say about Phil though is I've got one little story, I guess, or something. I don't think even Chuck knows this. I don't think I've told anyone this. Um, it, it goes back a while. Um, it would have been BBL two or three, I think. We we're playing a game at the Wacker against the Scorchers. And um, we ended up chasing down probably 150, 160. Anyway, who's he gets um, man of the match? I think he made 85 or 86 off about 50 balls. I'm not sure if Chuck can remember the game, but I can an amazing batting, di- amazing batting display. And I think it was my first season, BBO 2 maybe. So it was two or three games in. I'm sitting in the chain rooms after the game. Philip's sitting next to me, having a beer, having a laugh about the game and how good he hit him and all that sort of stuff. And he's, and then he had to go out and do a press conference um, just with the man of the match duties. Comes back in and and if you get man of the match, you get this little medallion type thing that you do if you win a if you win a you know local grand final, local cricket grand final. But it's in a little wooden case. And we're sitting there having a beer and, and Hughesy chucks it in my kit bag and just says, "I don't want it. You can have it." And I was like, "I don't want it. It's yours. You have it." And then anyway, we kept drinking and I forgot about it. And then. Um, it was actually when I was moving back to Geelong, so only recently. I was cleaning out my house in, in Adelaide and I was going through my career kits that I'd stored because each year in Big Bash you get a brand new kit bag. So you chuck the old ones up in the rafters. So I'm pulling down the rafters, going through my kit bags and um, emptying them out before I drop them off at the salvos. And uh, in this end pocket, I find this little medallion and I open it up and it's it says um, Man of the Match, Perth Scorchers versus Adelaide Strikers. And I was like, hang on, I didn't win that. I was like, what the hell was that from? I didn't win that. And then I thought, hang on, that's... Oh, shit, that's that one that Hughesy the bloody oh. threw in my bag and we just forgot about. So actually well, sitting, well, sitting in my bed, sitting in my bedside drawer is, is a man of the match award. That for, is unreal. That is, that is Hughesy's, that he threw in my bag and said, you have it, mate. I don't want it. <laughs> that, so that is that's one little good, memento. That's a good keepsake, isn't it? Because that's a good that, one to one keep hold of that one. That, uh, that is One awesome. little memento that's just sitting in my bedside drawer that um, I look at from time to time, I must admit. That is absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Uh, that is amazing. Can I just ask you, Chuck, last question on it. Um, but what, what's your favourite story? Like, Ludie just shared a story there. What's your favourite, uh, you know, like being Ooh. a coach of a young fella? You sound like you had a fair bit of spunk about him, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm tipping. I reckon that's why you probably had a, a bit of an inkling and a bit of a liking to him because you probably liked those ones because that's how you were in your career, mate, had a bit of spunk about you. He reminded me, he did, he reminded me a lot of, of, a lot of traits because he grew up in the country. He was always a young kid that played with older people, which I did the same stuff. You know, mum and dad, true country people. And so when I recruited him, from, I still remember Jamie Cox and I flew into to Sydney uh, Airport and we met him in a little hotel and he came in and I had not met him before. And honestly, within... I reckon three minutes of talking to him, I looked at Jamie Cox and pretty much, uh, and again, we're telling stories now, and I told you not to bring this up. We could have done a whole show on, on Philip Hughes, which you were probably going over time now, but I hope our listeners are probably thinking, wow, uh, you know, these two boys have been right there. Uh, Cox and I met with him about recruiting him, and honestly, at the time, it was out of, no one knows this, Steve Smith, or Philip Hughes, oh, wow. right? That's true, to come to Adelaide, and that's true. We'd met with Steve Smith's manager, and this is a long time ago now. This is before Steve Smith, you know, in the test, um, test team and all the things he's done. And after three minutes talking to Philip Hughes, I just looked at Coxie and gave him a wink to say, mate, this is our man. So that's yeah. not really a, a funny yarn or anything, but I just knew he was the right person to come to Adelaide to gel our group together because South Australia... And, look, Ludie and I had great times there. I was taking the mickey out of before. We loved our time in Adelaide, and we had some, got some great friends out of it, um, some great memories. Unfortunately, both of us probably ended before we really wanted to, but that's, that's what happens in sport. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Philip Hughes was the best thing that I did in my time in South Australia... Uh, those four years, the best thing that I reckon I did for the team was to bring them Philip Hughes, wow. and I'm proud That's of that. Awesome. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know what, guys? Well, let's finish. The, I, I'm in my study at Mount Eliza, and I'm looking at a, a hand-drawn uh, caricature, or not a caricature, it's a real-life photo that Adam Zampa's girlfriend 
might be his fiance now for all I know, actually drew a Philip Hughes and I'm sitting in my study looking at that character, looking straight back at me, Philip Hughes, as we're talking about him. So I think we should move on, uh, big fella, because well, you can see that it's, it's touched a, both of us. It's absolutely awesome, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. And, Ludie, I just want to say to you, uh, can you just imagine Chuck in a study with a big moose head, I reckon, over the top of the uh, the workbench there, a cigar, <laughs> a little bottle of uh, cognac, and uh, he'd be just kicking back with a phone on speaker, just uh, having a chat to the boys, <laughs> thinking, yeah, these boys have got these boys covered. He'll be on the red wines now. He's not allowed to drink beer anymore, old Chuckster. <laughs> have you got, right, look after the ticker. Have you I've got, got me blood thinners. I've got me cholesterol tablets. I've got them all lined up, <laughs> me glasses so I can read me notes. It's not quite the picture you were hoping for, Stewie. Have you got the moose head? That's all I want to know. Have you got like the moose head above the, the study there somewhere? Have you... No, Moosehead. No, no, Moosehead. I've got my Victorian cricket cap sitting there and I've got a photo of Husey and... Uh, then it's pretty much a boring old study, yeah. the computer and the printer where I, you know, do a bit of work and stuff like that. But no, my Victorian hat, a photo of Husey and a couple of cricket books, that's about my study. Now, just on the uh, the Victorian cricket hat, what about Shane Warne's gesture uh, over the summer period with the, the horrific bushfires to, uh, to mm. put the old baggy green up? That was unbelievable, wasn't it? Because uh, so much history in that baggy green, boys. Uh, and it got a fair price, I would... Got a fair price, Ludes. What was it in the end? Was it oh, a million bucks? Over, yeah. Was it a million bucks? Is over right? a million, yeah. 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 I'm not sure if I was Commonwealth in position if I could if I could give up the baggy green. <laughs> uh, unbelievable no, gesture, uh, wasn't it? That's why it's a it is a, an unbelievable gesture. And uh, for all Warnies, uh, people are happy to throw darts at Warnie and again, lucky enough that we've sort of coincided our careers and I forever I look back and think, Well, you know, my keeping career for Victoria for 15 years, which wasn't that wasn't that illustrious from my point of view, but I kept to the greatest greatest spin bowl to ever play the game. And he's very misunderstood. People see one thing and think, you know, and look, he'd be the first to say he's made some mistakes. But I tell you what, uh, he's generous, yeah. evident by that. Uh, he never misses one of my kids' birthdays. We don't see each other a lot these days. You know, when I went down with me ticker a couple of weeks ago, one of the first on the blower, and he was in Vegas or something like that. Got word, so <laughs> you would have been playing I, poker I, or something over there. Yeah. That picture that you tried to paint of the study before, I think that had a little bit more uh, Hugh Hefner, Shane Warne about it than Darren Berry. But uh, I'll forever stick up for him, and people like to take him down. But uh, as Ludy knows, I, you know, we've been pretty good mates through through the journey as well. So again, lucky cricket. Cricket and sport that's brought us together. Unfortunately, in the world we're living in today with this coronavirus, where we are in our study or, you know, sitting at home in, in semi-lockdown, and let's just hope that this passes. Let's hope, you know, a month, six weeks. I think it's going to be probably six months, but I, I hope, I'm hoping for the positive. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just ask, what was it like to keep to uh, to Shane Warne? Because uh, he was, or if not the, the greatest spin bowler ever, just a freak show, wasn't he? And could just pull out things at magic times, couldn't he? Uh, absolutely. And we started together. When he first started, he was erratic, but he spun the ball sharply and he was very difficult to keep two leg spinners. But then he got such great control. It was I was just salivating every time I thought he was going to play for Victoria. Um, so, yeah, again, I possibly look back on my career and things that I was able to achieve and probably the greatest thing I can say was, you know, my career coincided with his and how lucky was I to have kept to, to Shane Warne. So something I'll always cherish. I might throw Tim a question on that then. You know, I'm lucky. Uh, who would you say was your greatest challenge to keep to, Ludy, or an extension of it, who was the most enjoyable to keep to? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Probably well, a bit different to Warney, but I was lucky enough to keep the Nathan Lyon for a, a young Nathan Lyon for a period of time, I suppose, when um, Chuck played him for South Australia. So it was quite quite amazing seeing a finger spinner um, drift and spin the ball and bounce the ball as much as he did. Um, certainly more than any other finger spinner spinner I've ever kept to in my life. So that was quite enjoyable. And then Chatty says, um, I know we've talked about him a little bit and his punting antics but his skill <laughs> with the cricket ball is unbelievable he's got the smallest hands you've ever seen it's like he's missing a knuckle but his ability to 
to swing and seam the ball you know on they, flat pitches, on you know green pitches, on anything. Ludy, small hands, small... And that's exactly right with Chad Sayers. And, uh, <laughs> I, I thought that Ludes was going to say Chad Sayers. That's why I let him in to say... Because Chad will be one of our, our avid listeners, no doubt. Like when, when this went uh, platinum last night on social media, when we were alluding to the fact that we were going to kick this off... The first like was from Chad Sayers. The second was from Sean Kate. So make no mistake, Chad Sayers will be tuning in. And normally, boys, as, as Ludie would know, we've been in the best position. Most swing bowlers that I played with, Damien Fleming was the best I played with as a swing bowler, they normally have long fingers, right? So you can actually get some purchase on the ball and shape the ball in and shape it out. Well, Chad Sayers has no fingers. Yeah. He, he he is as close to an Oompa Loompa as you can see. And as what Ludie said, his fingers are cut off at the first knuckle. So his ability to swing the ball, some of the girls that we know, that they go and have hair extensions. I think Chad Sayers, when he bowls, has finger extensions. <laughs> Jeez, I hope he's not listening to this first potty. I can tell yeah, you. Seriously, I, I you actually hope he is. I want, watch him, put his, I want him to watch put him his footage. It looks up. like he's got an ice cream cone. A little ball with the end of his hand running in. It's an ice cream cone. <laughs> I love it. Can him I just ask? Him what? and his lovely wife, Steph. Him and his lovely wife, Steph. Sorry, big fellow. You right. started something you've chat. So, uh, him and his lovely wife, Steph. They, they had their first child probably yeah. 18 months ago now. A little girl, and beautiful little girl, when she's arrived, bigger hands than Chad. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the little girl would have come out, and the first thing they would have been looking at, I reckon, with the hands for the sands Bigger than Chad. <laughs> hey, can I just ask, you, you just, you, you probably briefly mentioned there, Ludie, Nathan Lyon. Is, is Chuck, well, you alluded to this, I spoke to you on air in an interview there a, a month or two ago. You actually, he was curator. Is that right? Like, and that's how you plucked Listen, him out? Don't don't use all our gold in our first show. I mean, <laughs> Sue, we're going to have nothing to go to. We've already been going three hours. You've got to save something for right. show two and three. Well, we are going to save that, okay? So we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that today. And you're right. Nathan Lyon off off the roller, and we'll go with that in another another story. <laughs> off the roller. I love it. Hey, listen, in all honesty, we have had an absolute ball, okay? Like, uh, uh, it's been great fun. You're both characters. I love you dearly, and I, I really appreciate you sharing the Philip Hughes stuff uh, because I know that we weren't going to go down that path, but I, I could tell that, uh, you know, I could just feel the emotion, and I, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you, uh, you, you jumping on board. And uh, look, as I said, it's going to be a bit of fun, boys. Um, you know, I don't know. We might do one a week. We might do one a fortnight. Depends how popular it ends up. But uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, especially in this time, I reckon, of crisis in the world, to uh, to put a little bit of light uh, into hopefully some people's lives and we have a bit of fun along the way. Stewie. Boys, it's always, well, uh, always good to work with good people. I've just to finish, I've just worked on a little David Attenborough for uh, the coronavirus. Oh, can you put, I was going to say, mate, can you please give us a bit of Attenborough? Because, like, honestly, Chuck, <laughs> that was the first thing he said to us when we started mooting this uh, this little uh, podcast yeah. idea. He said, I can do impersonations. He said, I can add a little bit of humour for you, boys, if you want. I can do this, I can do that. So, Ludy, give why, us give us something. Why don't we finish, big fella, finish with uh, Tim Ludeman doing David Attenborough. <laughs> And we'll throw him a challenge. I want him to work on Donald Trump and Scott Morrison. There's the challenge for as we as we finish as we finish our first podcast of Keeping It Real. And make sure you tune in to Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the Big Fella. Let's go out with Tim Ludeman and the coronavirus, David Attenborough style. And I'm going to just give you a little bit of Skippy in the background, okay? <laughs> as you can see. The coronavirus pandemic has shut down the world's economy and how we live our everyday lives. It has spread like wildfire on all the back of some fuckhead eating a live bat. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> That's keeping it real. Keeping it real. Hey, listen, we're going to go out with a bit of this because I reckon everyone needs this at the moment. Uh, the Have a listen to this, boys. A little bit of the Hunters and Collectors. This is Eddie Vedder with Mark Seymour. Okay, singing Throw Your Arms Around Me. And I reckon the whole world, the whole country needs a little bit of love and everyone to throw their arms around each other at the moment, boys.
Love the boys. It's a real pleasure to play a song with him tonight. Sit back and have a listen. I go one 